the red flag flying here. And hello to yet another edition of Political Unmuted. Um, the show they cannot shut up. What number are we now, Paul? Are you able to tell us? It is, I think it's 115. Just goes on forever. Thank you so much for looking in. It's such a privilege. Before I start, I have to say that um, the music we listened to, you were listening to that was from a band called The Spires. The bass guitarist was my son, and today it's his birthday. I promised that I would give him a shout-out, sort of at the beginning. Uh, don't, don't, don't smile, Jane. At the beginning, so he didn't have to listen to the rest of the show. So that is just <laughs> outrageous. When you look for support, where do you get it? Um, but anyway, happy birthday to John Moss. Um, and hello, and welcome to my three wonderful guests, ex- Extremely wonderful to see you all. Um, Paul's the boss, of course, and, and we, we, we just love him to pieces. Every word he says, we hang on. Hiya, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? And, and, and Jane is our resident brain box. Um, sort of, She knows a whole lot of things that none of the rest of, the rest of us do, so we'll look forward to a moment of the week. And Bonnie, it's Hello. exciting to have you on the show. Well, I wouldn't be too excited, John. <laughs> oh, no, no, trust me. It's so lovely to see you. It's always lovely when you come. And I'm going to start with moments of... Oh. I almost forgot the jingle. Um, so we're going to start with you, Bonnie. Moment of your week. Let's hear what you've got to tell us. I've had a momentous week this last week. I've been at the NEU annual conference in Harrogate. But if I had to pick one or two moments of the week, I would pick the fact that two motions I, am, I was involved in writing in on inclusive curriculums and the primary curriculum both got passed, one of whom I got to use Paul's favourite phrase, post-Govian dystopia, in a speech that got applause. <laughs> I'm so stunned at him. He's never getting it. He's never getting it back. <laughs> well, our, our, our teachers are naturally thieves. Uh, sort of all all the best teachers are, are sort of um, sort of thieves who can't stop stealing. That they go through their whole life pinching good ideas and and uh, and well done to you. Um, successful conference. Yes, I think so. We're up for a fight against the world, against the government, against Ofsted, against the government, against Ofsted. You were saying government. earlier that you think you have a chance of winning with us. We, well, well, we hope so. I hope um, that now that everything's coming out into the public about the damage that Ofsted caused and the stress that people are under, um, that actually the public turns against them. And what we've seen is that the head teachers unions are now starting to disengage. And they've, to be honest, for a long time, they've propped the system up. So if they disengage, it's in their hands, they can stop this. And that's our message that we're asking the NAHT, whose general secretary came and spoke to us and was brilliant, actually gave a magnificent speech. Good, good. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with having an independent observer coming in and saying what they think was good and what they think was bad and where you could improve and, 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 and sort of things that you're good at. That's always lovely. Sort of nobody's wanting a free reign, but it's it's the, the way in which it's done, the way in which it's delivered, and particularly the fact that it's, it's then publicised as a kind of either a black mark or a good mark for the school. And it affects the whole future, not just the school, but of the teachers and the pupils that are there. It's a wicked institution, is Ofsted. And the sooner we replace it with um, a better advisory system, the better. Thank Absolutely. you so much for all you're doing. Um, oh, who am I going to have? Um, Jane, moments of, you had two moments of the week, you said, so I'll let you have two this week. Oh, thank you. Um, so today is the fourth anniversary of the imprisonment of Julian Assange um, in Belmarsh Prison, which is horrific, really horrific, and he needs to be freed immediately. 
Um, and at, in meanwhile, Russian authorities are holding a Wall Street Journal reporter um, called Gershkovich on um, accusations of espionage, very similar to the charges that are being claimed against Julian Assange. And I've seen lots of people who aren't speaking out against the um, imprisonment of Julian Assange speaking out about what Russia's doing in this circumstance. And it's really bizarre that they can't see that it's the same thing. Um, that needs rectifying, doesn't it? Thank you very much indeed. Um, and finally, Paul, moment of your week. I've got to go with the junior doctor's strike. Um, it's always one of those ones where you think doctors, you know, they're well paid. They're, you know, they, when I was growing up, it was a really respected job. And you look like a lot of them are being published in the pay slips and the rate at which they're being paid is, is really, really poor. And if you're considering the hours they work, it's, a lot of the time it's less than minimum wage. And it's absolutely disgraceful. These are the people who are considered to be saving lives. And, you know, like one of the things that gets thrown around a lot of the time when you mention you're a socialist is they'll like someone might say, oh, well, look at them in Cuba. Like the doctors have got to get, get got go and get second jobs and stuff like that. So if that's their level, and that's what's having to happen in this country now. Um, but also, not only do they have to get second jobs or whatever, if they want to make a living, or a lot of them are leaving, or lots of people don't want to do it, lots of them are not being trained as well. Not only all that, they've got astronomical student loans to deal with, and that's something they don't have to deal with in Cuba, is it? Because they just get their education paid for as a right. So, you know, like, if this is some sort of race to the bottom, we're winning we're doing okay in this country if we're racing to the bottom, um, which appears it appears we are. Yes, um, I mean it's tremendously worrying when the junior doctors go on strike. You 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 fear for people's safety, but um, it just shows what these dedicated people, what they've been pushed to by by a government that needs getting rid of. Um, some lovely moments of the week. Um, Neil Terry's moment of the week was seeing the not my king placards. Um, the um, personally, I have a lot more time for Charles than I have for, for um, um, Elizabeth. But sort of, um, uh, I'm a total Republican, so yes, not my king. Fancy. Um, well done to the NEU conference. Says Leanne, passing a motion supporting uh, against the anti-strike laws. Really important. Um, Leanne, moment of the week, seeing the huge support for Palestine at the emergency demo in Birmingham. Well done, yes. Um, and uh, very important at this moment, uh, as um, uh, both Sunak and uh, Steinmeier come out strongly pro-Israel um, over a shooting. Um, moment of the week, um, Laura... Lee Femme, 93, Laura Lee FM, Laura Lee Femme, oh, is this our Laura? Okay, uh, another shooting in the USA, five dead, yes. Uh, Laura, Laura Lee FM, Femme, Femme, says, it's me. That's not much help, is it, really? Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Now it's time for the... Big story. Um, Neil Terry says the low light of his week was that attack ad from Labour. We're on to it. We're on to it. Just keep listening, uh, Neil. Um, the um, uh, I, every every week, what I do is I, I look through the news and I say all the, all the stories which caught my eye, and then I say to the team who are who are joining me, "What do you want to talk about?" And, and basically, this is their choice. Um, um, and they want to talk about voter ID and sort of boring. I'll have to wait and see. Um, sort of, Jane, what's it all about? What's all the fuss about? So, um, the government have brought in measures so that from the local elections happening this, um, the 4th of May, there will be photo ID needed if you're going to vote in person at a polling station, um, in England. 
Um, so they've said, Sunak's spokesperson um, recently said that they're doing this to guard against potential for wrongdoing, which is quite strange when there's so many really dangerous things actually happening. Um, looking at the numbers on this, before they introduced it um, in 2018, there were eight allegations of in-person voter fraud in the whole of England. Um, and no action was taken in seven of those. So there was one case that was actually pursued by the police in 2018. And in those numbers are pretty consistent. In 2022, there were seven allegations across the whole country and none of them, there was no, not enough evidence for any of them to be pursued that there was wrongdoing. So this is something that's not actually happening. It's a problem that doesn't exist, but the government have decided that they're going to spend around 180 million pounds a decade of our money on addressing this problem that doesn't exist whilst they don't address other more pressing issues for us. Um, so the, there have been allegations, there have been allegations of voting fraud that were followed up on by the police. It's a relatively small number, I think it's less than 100 a year in generally, but they're all in relation to campaigning, to people standing as candidates rather than voters, and a very tiny number of postal votes, um, which won't be addressed in any way by this new rule. Uh, but it will mean that about two, over two million people in this country who don't have photo ID will not be able to vote in person if they want to, um, which is very sad and very undemocratic. I mean, the this, these two million people, Jane, would they have would they have voted anyway? Well, I think with the, there's about 9 million people who aren't even on the electoral roll, and perhaps they wouldn't have done, but perhaps what we need to be thinking about is how to engage those people in voting. Those people deserve a voice as well. They deserve something, someone who will represent their views and something worth voting for, and perhaps they're not voting because they're not getting that from a government which is, you know, predominantly... Um, filled with people from extremely privileged backgrounds who don't have any understanding of the issues that those people are going through every day. And perhaps if those people weren't in, you know, unpaid care positions, looking after family and friends or um, working in gig economy jobs and exhausted, perhaps they'd have time to think about things like voting. But perhaps because of the poor conditions that many people living in this country, they don't have time to think about it when they know that there's not really anyone who's going to help them anyway. I mean, I suppose that fits in with what, what you were saying, that, that this is not the real problem. The real problem is uh, sort of the disengagement of people from voting. And, and it's that that they should be trying to sort out. Um, Paul, um, Jane's spoken of, of, of the dangers and problems. Um, I mean, uh, what, are the, the, what are the problems associated with demanding that people get voter ID? And particularly, I was looking at um, Polly Toynbee's article in the, the Guardian, where she says it's a direct attack on youth and on uh, minorities of all kinds. I mean, is this really um, uh, such a, a dictatorial act as is being made out? It's much less likely that younger people will have the kind of ID that um, is necessary. And if you looked at all the list of ID, it wasn't like there were, there were a lot more options for older people. And it seems to be weighted towards like, the idea is that older people are more likely to vote Tory. Therefore, you know, therefore, like they're more likely to have the opportunity to vote. Um, voter fraud is, is really, really, really low. And I don't understand why they would concentrate on a problem like there's a, you know, there, I think there are about 10 times more Tory MPs convicted of sex crimes than there are of voter, <laughs> voter fraud. Uh, you know, like it, it's a really, really like that's not an exact quote, but it is a lot more. It is a lot more Tory MPs have done sex crimes than um, than people have done voter fraud in a country of 60 million people. You know, that's a. It's an absolutely bonkers statistic, but there we are. So they're focusing on a problem that isn't. So therefore you think, well, if it isn't a problem, then why do they feel the need, the need to deal with it? And I think there's a couple of reasons here. One is to encourage more people to carry ID so that there's more control over people. Like if they, you know, if you move towards that ID society where everyone has to be checked everywhere, then sort of you, you can lose that freedom a little bit if people just, you know 
I don't know, maybe maybe you'll see more ID checks and stuff like that in future. Maybe that's what they're pushing towards. Or maybe they just don't want people to vote as much. I think the whole political system is pushing us towards not voting as much because we've got Labour and the Tories both saying the exact same things. People totally unenthused about it. Only the most boring rules boffins seem to be interested in voting at all at the moment. Um, because there isn't any alternative and then it's really really hard and by the time you say oh well you know what I'm gonna have to dig out my passport I'm gonna have to do x y and z even those with id are probably gonna think do you know what to vote for these idiots I can't be bothered I really can't be bothered and I think it's more to do with that apathetic thing you know like I don't think we particularly live in a democracy we live in a, a very like in an illusion of democracy. Like we get to vote every few years on which people represent us, but we don't really get a say in what's going on, and and they just give their opinion on things, and their opinions actually really diluted because they're in this massive party system. How much say do any of us have? Less and less, and when you have like the likes of you know. Yeah, you know the the World Economic Forum, which like you know is is very interested in getting involved in lots of different um, activities in at, at uh, governance level, or you know the, the what what the Trilateral Commission that Keir Starmer is a member of or was a member of until recently, um, which thinks that you know corporations should have more say than people. We're in real serious trouble here. Um, ordinary people aren't really having much say in their lives at all. And I think that's the biggest problem here. And whilst that's going on, they also don't want to because they are bored to death of the whole situation. I mean, lots of comments coming up here. Neil Terry, they don't want poor people and black people to vote. Those are the people who don't have voter, uh, photo ID. Uh, it's direct attack on them. Um it's um, interesting and, though, but they they're not necessarily like I think last time around they would have been much more likely to vote Labour. I think Labour will have lost a lot of the young vote and a lot of um the non white vote. Let, let let's let's put it that way, because a lot of um of those communities feel really let down, especially Muslim people and you know, the way the way the Ford report has been treated in the Labour Party. People do know about these things, and I, I'm, I think, uh, I think they'll get a, a, a quite a nasty surprise when it comes to areas that they think will simply vote Labour because they've been told to. Well, we will be talking about that at the end of the show, I suspect. Um, Leanne, elderly people can use a bu bus pass as ID. Students can't. I mean, that's just unbelievably stupid. Uh, but then she says, "Well, who's more likely to vote Tory?" And um, sort of uh, perhaps that leads on to Laura Leaf um, 93's um, comment, which says, um, unforgivable. Um, oh, no, wrong one. Mark Rattigan. Uh, sorry, Laura. Um, voter ID is voter suppression. That's it. US Republican dirty trick. Um, uh, Mark Longley, same thing. Play right out of the Republican playbook. Um, Stuart Sutherland, some ID tips are valid for own, only for over 65. Um, Neil Terry, come on, Paul. The toys are great at finding solutions to non-existent problems. Um, sort of, I think most of the things that the Tories do uh, is not uh, address the problem at all. It's in order to win votes with their, their constituency. Um, uh, Mark Longley, why not put a photo? I'll ask you this for me when, when I come to you. Why not put a photo on the NI card? Um, uh, and now that's about it. Um, Mark Rettigan, you've hit the nail on the head, Paul. Our democracy is superficial. MPs should be direct representatives of their constituencies, not representatives of a party line. Wow, that's radical. Um, I just got one question for you, Vani. Um, does it matter? Does it matter? Basically, if anybody wants to vote, you can vote. Um, and, and sort of you just send off and they'll give you a free piece of paper identifying you, which will, which will, if anybody really wants to vote, the lack of photo ID need not be a, 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 a barrier to that. 
So people who don't get it are the people who didn't want sufficiently to vote. So is this just a storm in a teacup, um, sort of, and, and an invention by Labour because they fear that their vote may be a bit too flaky to survive searching out your photo ID. Is, is, is it as important as people are making out? I think it is. I really think it is. And I don't think it's anything to do with Labour being flaky. They are flaky, but that isn't, that isn't why. I think it's part of a bigger picture. Um, just to that point about the national insurance card there, I just want to address that. You don't get a national insurance card anymore. You get a letter that you're not to lose and it's got your national insurance number on it. They haven't given out cards for years. So that was obviously someone of my era where we did get cards. <laughs> my age. <laughs> my age, my age. My age still got cards. I know that my, my child's age, they got a letter that they're not to lose. <laughs> a bit of paper. So, you know, um, it is, it's entirely about, I, I'm, you know, Paul stole most of my lines there. <laughs> that, was, that was always the fear coming after Paul. You know, it's that, it's that thing, you know, I think it is about encouraging a sort of towards an ID state and um, towards having more control and giving us less freedom because they can say, show us your ID. I do think there's no evidence that it improves. Um, in fact, the evidence shows that it actually suppresses the vote. Um, there's years of evidence in America. I mean, it was alluded to there by one of the comments. It's a Republican dirty trick. In the US, they have ID cards. They have to show ID to, to vote. And it is the same people that do not turn out and vote. It, you know, it's the people who are poor, unemployed, of various minorities, um, People who are people who are disabled by society, you know, those with low qualifications and those who've never voted before. So the problem is voter suppression. We don't have a representative democracy anymore. We have two party politics of two parties with the same politics at the minute, which are both representative of the status quo and the elite. There's a lack, there is that lack of choice. As I said, Paul stole all my lines. <laughs> I've literally I was going down ticking the ones that Paul said on my piece of paper here. <laughs> um I do think it's gonna vote the voter numbers are going to be suppressed and it is gonna affect the Labour vote, but I don't think they really care about that because I don't think it's about who's in power anymore, it's about maintaining the status quo. But I will come on to that more later on. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean I just I mean, my point would be, if I was asked about this, would be that it utterly misses the mark of what's wrong with our electoral system. And uh, the, the um, I mean, are so many things they could have done to make us a more vibrant democracy, and they've chosen this repressive action, sort of, I mean, in this in this day and age, why are we not voting online? Why can you? Why can you not? You can register online. Why the hell can't you vote online? Um, so the, and uh, uh, Jane's absolutely correcting when she says that um, the rules about people going to the polling station don't apply to the people who will be asking for postal votes and getting postal votes. And actually there's a much greater opportunity for voter fraud with postal votes where a husband can fill in his wife's, his daughter's, his son's and, 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 and his next door neighbour's farms and send them off and nobody will be able to stop him or ever find out. Then there is when you, the, the Electoral Reform Society, one of their complaints was that actually it's just not worth trying voter fraud because it's just one vote in tens and tens of thousands. And just what difference is it going to make anyway? Um, the, the, the whole thing is, is um, outrageous. Um, Paul um, finishes off on this. And, and the, uh, what, what would you, would, would you just want this abolishing? I mean, it's here to stay now, isn't it? Um, do we need to change it? Can we modify it so it's acceptable? Or do we just need to campaign to get rid of it? So we've we've just apathied this into existence, haven't we? Like, you know, we've been talking about it for years and like, oh, no, it's a bad thing. And, and I think it's roundly expected to be a bad thing. 
But these things just happen anyway. You know, these things just happen. And that is the state of our democracy at the moment. Like I've been saying for a long time, we need something radically different from what we do. And, and Mark kind of alluded to a form of direct democracy there where like constituents are more involved in what's going on. I, I'm for... I'm for bottom-up democracy, you know. I think democracy needs to come from the grassroots. People will talk about things they want, and I'm not talking about these stupid focus groups where they ask, like, someone whose biggest thing is there's someone smoking marijuana next door or, or like, um, you know, the, the things they've been coming up with on... The things that annoy, like, some sort of random person from Burnley nothing against people in Burnley but you know what I mean like not that kind of thing what we really need to find out is what communities want what what they would like to see and we've never been further from that in a in a very very long time like obviously there are dictatorships there are complete where people don't have even the illusion of um of democracy but we're not far away from not having any say whatsoever. And I think most people feel that whatever they think doesn't matter at all. And I often find it very interesting when there's someone who appears to have very different opinions to me. So someone who might consider themselves to be right wing. And you get talking and they're annoyed about the exact same things that I'm annoyed about. It's just they don't really know how to go about it in a, in any other way than what they're told to by the right-wing media, which, again, is another form, another huge problem in our democracy in that our press are the illusion of free because, you know, the people who fund the press are the people who fund the political parties. They get whatever they want, you know, so it's uh, it's a really, really worrying situation. So I guess what I'd like to see is more independent media pushed um, and uh, greater democracy from a grassroots level. Jane, the um, the electoral, not the electrical commission. So that's an energy problem. We'll, we'll deal with that later. The electoral commission are saying that they're going to really push voter ID and the need for a voter ID, and that they're hoping that with the, sort of. Have you any? Uh, have you come across any of these um, uh, advertisements that the, they say they're going to put out? Um, will will that be any help? Do you think? It would have been helpful if there had been a public information campaign going back over the last few months, especially with the local elections coming up at the beginning of May. I think, are there two and a half weeks left to apply? You can get a free ID card for your council and, and you need to apply online, I believe. And But you've only got two and a half weeks left to do that now if you want to be able to use it to vote in the local elections and I've seen absolutely no advertising to make people aware of that so they think there were 2.1 million people in the country who don't have photo ID they can use and I think on Sunday only 37,000 people had applied for these free ID cards and I think a lot of people don't know about them at all or don't know how to get them and I, I just wanted to mention one thing that really makes me angry about this um it's still it's not silly really but the oyster cards an over 60s oyster card is valid id a 18 plus oyster card is not valid id so i can see you know you could plausibly make a, a argument maybe with the bus pass i don't know if the with the bus pass is being issued when you become of a certain age perhaps they go through some sort of official process that you could argue that a young person's rail card doesn't but an oyster card is issued by the same people whichever one you have so there's absolutely no justification for that it's blatant discrimination against younger people yes it's challenging i wish somebody challenging it's sort of um uh, maria nelson there um uh, detailing the difficulties in getting a, a form of id that will be accepted um can somebody uh, can one of our justicios um find out the link please that um, goes to the government. Uh, the so the government has a, a, a the thing where you can apply, as Jane says, for um, uh, voter ID from your council, and they will um, they will issue that. Can somebody find that link? Um, somebody. Uh, oh, Neil Terry, I've already posted it above. That we, Neil Terry, we've got it here. Jacqueline Hemmings, https www.gov.uk and then all with slash and all with hyphens apply for photo ID voter authority certificate. It's there. Um, if you have anywhere well done, Neil Terry, God bless you. And the justicios come good. Yes, again. 
so the, let's move on. Honey, we it's sewage, it's river sewage. Were, were you going first on this one? No. It's Paul's going first it's on Paul. that. Paul. <laughs> Messed up everybody. That's all right. <laughs> Paul, um, so the, okay, what's the problem? Who's responsible? The problem is we've got this awful situation where people don't seem to care about the thing that keeps us alive in this country as a fundamental human right and i think this is this is the root of the problem and i can talk about like the the symptoms of the problem in a minute but that is the the clear thing like water is absolutely vital to our survival as human beings but we're seeing increasingly that, that you know it wants people want to commodify it people want you know like that's a, if everyone needs it then that's something we can make money out of and that is that is what it's become. And, you know, I think it was privatized in the UK in 1980. The, the water supply was privatized. And, um, you know, since then, we've seen companies, uh, private companies, which are monopolies, really. So, like, I can't private like the private sector. We're always sold this myth that, like, the private sector will make everything cheaper because you will have a choice. And we're seeing the problem in, like, in the energy companies. You can't even switch you can't even switch energy companies, so that's a monopoly now as well. But in my area, I've got to have Northumbria water, that's it. I don't have any choice. There isn't any competition for who supplies the water to my pipes that come to my house, which there's only one set of. Like, There's not like, oh, well, actually, you could use their pipes or their pipes. It's a ridiculous system. So you've got this system where one company can make profit out of my use. I have to pay them. They have to set the price, and that's it. But they have a moral responsibility to to make sure that the waterways in the area are clean, that the lakes are, are all fixed, that there's no water wastage, that there's no sewage going into our our rivers and, you know, everything's nice and clean. And yet they are prioritizing profits. So 50 billion has been paid out um, since. Well, this is news from 2022. 50 billion has been paid out in uh, profits since privatization to shareholders you're seeing ceos on massive wages and also like people are saying oh well you know they can't invest and it, it, you know it's not a profitable thing they're in huge debt as well so all the water companies have taken out huge loans and things like that and i think they're in 52 billions worth of debt the water companies if you combine all their debt now this is a very 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 problematic business model of something that should be run for the public by the public like you know some other countries they they were they're shocked at how we treat water if you wander around in rome or something like that there's water just flowing from from like little fountains in the streets they take great pride in how things look and 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 that water is a fundamental human right and we simply don't we see it in this country as being something to take money out of your pocket for so our rivers are absolutely full of um sewage because we're allowed to pump raw sewage into them if we need to if you look at like something like a dairy farm dairy farms can pump sewage straight into rivers which is killing our ecosystems um so there's huge problems there our seas they jump they're dumping a lot of like raw sewage onto our seas so we have all these like um is it the blue kite mark the blue flag beaches mm. that used to be the sign of cleanliness i think there's been 150 of them have ended up with raw sewage dumped onto them um they've the tories have actually given up and they've said well you know it's probably not even a practical ambition to have clean water you know so there's the, theresa Kofi was apparently saying something along those lines um so like they don't even care that our water is absolutely filthy and then also i want to refer to a local issue here um now the, the in Redcar, in Cleveland, um, we're having huge problems of uh, crustaceans and other types of sea life dying um, en masse. And what a lot of people believe it is, is for the Freeport in Teesside, they've been dredging. 
and they've been trying to and what they've done is because it was such a heavily um a heavily uh, industrialized area and lots of things were dumped in there the things that are being released from the dredge are killing the sea life and you go and it looks apocalyptic i've shared photos on socialist think tanks pages before of apocalyptic scenes of crustaceans dying on the beach it is like it makes me want to cry to be honest like like um um, if people like, I don't want to get on the high horse about being a vegan or whatever like that but I don't like seeing animals suffering anyway but I think most people whether they eat meat or whether they don't or whatever they they, they see these things and they see these creatures suffering and they, and they see the idea of like fisher fishermen who've been doing this for years and years and years who've been doing it in a sustainable way, going out and using lobster pots in a sustainable way, making sure they throw back young fish and all these things and all these things they've learned, passed down through the generations, now suddenly seeing their potential livelihood go away for generations no. to come. It's no, just no. gone. They're, they're just, they've, they've just ruined people's lives. They've ruined, you know, an ecosystem. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen with those? Is it going to continue to be uninhabitable for these animals or will it wash away into the ocean, into the sea, into the ocean somewhere else? I don't know, but that's an ecosystem absolutely ruined something that was relatively imbalanced. And if people have gone around doing the right thing and making sure they don't overfish, which is a, a terrible thing that happens around the world with trawlers and what have you, they've done it sustainably and yet that's their reward but you're going to get a free port. So, you know, you might you, so you might have dirty, filthy water that you've got to drink that's got poo in it and condoms and things like that. But you're going to, like, someone's going to be able to not pay the taxes near you. you. Um, sort of uh, local labour is campaigning against the free port full stop and, um, uh, and campaigning hard. Uh, about the dredging. Uh, Vonnie, um, thinking about the sewage in the rivers, um, Tory, Labour, Lib Dem and Green have all come up with their plans. And, and, and one of my questions was sort of, you know, what, what, what do our guests think about, the, what do you think about those plans? What, what, what's your judgment on the four solutions to the, pro, the problem? Oh, well, I read up on this. I knew nothing about this until today. <laughs> really, not a lot. You know, I knew it was I was there, but I didn't know any of the details. And actually, the details are rubbish. The plans, I'm not, you know, the Tories are ignoring it. They don't really have a plan. They've said it's unsustainable to go back to where we were before the Industrial Revolution, basically. That's Theresa Coffey's stance. I think she used the example of, knocking down half of Sheffield to put the River Don back. Nobody could do that. Um, they don't really have a plan, the Tories. I don't think, well, they just don't care. It's all about capitalism and money. Labour's plan, they're going to mandatory monitor sewage facilities. Man did they not, is that not happening already? I would think from a health and safety at work point of view, sewage facilities are probably monitored. Um, they're going to have automatic fines for companies that don't fill their thing. And water bosses are going to be held professionally and personally accountable, whatever that may mean. I don't even know what that means. It just sounds like words that they've put down to look like they mean something. It's certainly not going to help clean the rivers. Um, the Lib Dems, it's very tourism focused. It's about the beaches. It's about the things that get the headlines. You know, you can't go swimming in, the, in it. But basically... It's no bonuses for execs. So if a water company or a sewage company, they're going to try and stop them giving them bonuses. Um, Green Party, again, doesn't go far enough, which I was really disappointed at. Um, they've called to end shareholders' payouts until they sort out the sewage problems. Now, that actually is one that does attack the capitalist system. I, I get that in a way, not deeply, just on the surface, but at least it's saying, you know, put the water before the profits which none of the others do. But none of them are addressing the point that there's been that much damage done. Our water system is a closed system. There's a finite amount of water on the planet. You don't get any more water, you don't get any less water. There is that amount of water on the planet. 
and the more of it that is unusable to help us live, not just us, all of the other, all of the other life on the planet, the less healthy our ecosystem is going to be. And things like that have happening down our coastline there are going to keep happening all over the world. Um, I know a little bit about that because at our last Union Regional Council, we had someone come to talk about the independent scientific study they're trying to get done to prove the damage that's been done by the dredging because we agreed to give them some money. Um, you know, so we know a little bit about that. There was someone from Hartlepool came and spoke to us and then it brought along a professor from the university who's involved in the, in the independent study. So yeah. I know there's campaigning going on. But there isn't, I, you know, there isn't an answer there from any of the main political parties, even the Green Party, who you would think this was their thing. If I told you the Green Party wanted to re-nationalise uh, the water, would you be, because they have, I mean, does this yeah. affect your opinion of the... the... It, it, it would be, a, it, would, it would help, that would help, but how long will it take to do? Is it going to stop, the, you know, why is this not a national emergency? Why is it not an international emergency? Yes. We have one planet. Nobody is going far enough to fix it. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And that that's the way, you know, the Green Party, you know, their their policy thing about, you know, obviously they want to move towards the renationalizing the water, but their stopgap policy of wanting to end shareholders' payouts doesn't go far enough. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, Jane, um, hit the nail on the head. The the issue here is wider than just um water companies discharging sewage into the rivers at a phenomenal rate. Yeah, I was surprised to read, actually, because I don't remember hearing about this um, at the time. But in 2012, the EU Commission took the UK government to the European Court of Justice um, regarding water companies dumping sewage in the rivers and found ruled that it was illegal um, that that was happening and that so sewage overflow should only be used in exceptional circumstances. So I'm not quite sure what penalties were imposed for that or what came of that, because it seems like since then, things have just been stepped up at a ridiculous rate. Um, so I, I remember reading recently that, um, I can't remember how many years ago, but not very many, certainly in the 2000s, that there were 16,000 discharges in one year, um, not that many years ago. And now it's in the hundreds of thousands. So that's some incredible pace. Um, so um, it's really scary. Um, and we're not moving fast enough. Um, I was reading about the problems with the phosphorus um, pollution, which is um, mainly caused by sewage waterworks um, in this country. And I was reading that only 24% of our sewage treatment works have phosphorus removal systems. And this is a real problem for us um, because this is a big issue and the phosphorus is killing plants and animals and sea life in our rivers but there's no real plan to do much about it. And the government in December gave the water companies an extra year on top of what they'd already been given to sort it out. So now they've extended it to 2028, but even the plans that seem to be on the table for these companies, incredibly lacking then, talking about move, you know, increasing from 24% to 37% of their facilities having it in that time. And this, like when it says this is an emergency now, this can't wait all these years they've they've handed up so much money to shareholders they've got ceos being paid more than a million pounds a year and handed huge bonuses on top no one needs to be given that much money and they just can't countenance being less greedy and actually using the money to invest in infrastructure and make a real difference other countries managed to do this it, we're quite isolated in how how Shockingly, we've failed with this because of this ideological obsession of our government with privatising public services. They just they'll cling on to it with everything they've got, no matter how much evidence there is that it's causing huge harm. They just can't countenance another way. Thank you, Jane. I mean, hitting the nail on the head. But they've just handed us over for exploitation. Um, Stuart Sutherland, thank you. He's at topofthepoops.org. Um, apparently is a map of the sewage. Um, thank you very much uh, for your um, comments, people. Deeply distressing, deeply distressing to hear what you've got to say. Um, the last one, I don't know, is, is uh, more about gutters, really, isn't it? Um, 
It's the um, the the latest Labour Party advertising campaign, which has decided to target Rishi Sunak um, personally to accuse him of the failings. Um, uh, and um, I've got thoughts on that, but I'm not going to share them. Um, and of course, the, the one that's attracted all the attention uh, is um, a uh, one where they've accused him of not wanting to deal with pedophiles. That was the and uh, created six days of outrage, and the Labour Party has doubled down and said, "No, no, we're proud of this meme. It all needed saying." Um, Vonnie, um, have we really? Plumbed the gutter of politics in this country with this. We're certainly heading down there. I think we're below the gutter. I think we're in the sewers, going back to sewerage, to be fair. I think we're in some kind of depths of dystopian hell. Um, I've, I printed out the attack ad, that one, that particular one. Do you think, just so I could read it word for word without having to flick through my screen, do you think adults convicted of sexually assaulting children should go to prison? Rishi Sunak doesn't. What? Without reading the rest of it, what on earth is that all about? I do not think for a second that Rishi Sunak does not think that paedophiles should go to shouldn't go to prison. I mean, that's ridiculous. What we do, what the Labour Party are doing is something so cynical, so horrible. We could be in America in one of those really horrible dodgy presidential races and we're actually in the run-up to local elections where Rishi Sunak isn't even up for election this is this is how far into the gutter we've gone and you know it's in the light of what's gone on in the past few years particularly I know Neil Terry's probably going to reference this somewhere on the chat what's gone on in South Yorkshire and Rotherham and all of the all of the things that the that the fascists have used to fling mud at refugees about, about Asian grooming gangs, to put a picture of an Asian man with that and use it as a political attack ad is just absolutely disgusting. And I would not have expected that even from Keir Starmer's Labour. So I am truly disgusted by it, to be honest. It's, you know, the one that they followed it up with is the one about Sunak's wife and tax loopholes. Again, it's deeply personal. It's not quite as heinous as the last one in the sense it doesn't have that dog whistle racism on it. But it's still, what are we doing? What is happening in this country that our party of the workers, the Labour Party is supposed to be the party of the workers, is doing this? Why are we going down into the gutter or into the sewers, in fact, and, you know, in a local, in a local election campaign, and doing this, it's awful. We, you know, we expect a little bit of the Tories because they generally historically have used this sort of, you know, the, what they did to Jeremy Corbyn was disgraceful. What the Labour Party have done to Jeremy Corbyn is disgraceful. I'm quite happy to go on record saying that. But this is some, you know, I'm going, I'm going two to wrongs don't make a right, John. <laughs> I mean, you've just helped me segue perfectly into Jane's question because what the what the Labour Party are saying is is precisely what Vonnie uh, has been saying that they they've said they've taken advice from the the Democrats in the US and from the Australian Labour Party and that advice was um, the Tories are going to be filthy dirty politics and you've just got to play as dirty as them and what Keir Starmer says is that if you find it squeamish well uh, tough we're going to fight as dirty as the Tories. Um, now, um, uh, it, it, it sort of, I mean, what, what do you think of that uh, argument? Is, 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 is winning worth that, that approach? So, I mean, assuming I even thought that this approach could win, um, I think what kind of a society are we wanting to have and what kind of a society are they wanting to govern over? Are they wanting to stoke racial hatred? Um, are they happy to do that if they're the party in government? 
um, these personal attacks on one, you know, on one person as well, not quite sure what they're thinking is, um, you know, if Sudak stands down before the next election, I know it's highly unlikely, but the Conservatives are very good at knowing when they need to sacrifice someone for their own sake, you know, if they target everything at one person, I'm a little bit confused as to what they're going to do when Sunak goes off to do something else and someone else takes over, maybe they can start again attacking someone else. I think what we're really seriously lacking in this country is open, informed debate. We saw it with Brexit. We talked about it constantly for three years and the only words I remember are Brexit is Brexit and racist. I don't remember any other words being used in the whole discussion, this huge nuanced area that warranted lots of respectful, well-considered, intelligent discussion. Didn't happen. We don't have that in our politics and I'm really sad that Labour are now buying into that and encouraging it and when I read the comments um, that one of Keir Starmer's spokesmen is said to have spoken about Yvette Cooper, Yvette Cooper, um, I'm I'm really sad at the stance she took to Jeremy Corbyn, um, but I think it's incredibly disrespectful the way she's been spoken about. I don't think it's right to speak about anyone in that way, and I don't think that's that's not the kind of society that I want to live in where people it's okay to treat people like that. We've already had incidents over the last few years where MPs have been murdered, and I just. I'm gobsmacked that Labour think this is in any way okay, whatever they think they'll gain from it. Um, Jacqueline Hemmings, Corbyn would never have. He was a much better person. Yes, the world we have lost. Um, Neil Teddy, it's backfired though. I've seen one counter that says, do you know what it's like to choose between heating and eating? Rishi Shunak doesn't. Nor does Keir Starmer. Um, uh, and Neil Teddy, it almost makes you feel sorry for Sunak. And I think, uh, Paul, is this a massive own goal for the uh, Starmer campaign? In a way, it has been because um, the liberal media that very much support Labour um, like to think of themselves as the good guys. So, like, you know, the, all these all these liberal commentary out, the Guardian writers and what have you, they're very much in the, oh, well, actually, do we really want to get in the gutter and do this? Now they've decided that now they do, and it's fine, um, a lot of them, because they've, I've, I've, I've reflected on this, and actually the Tories would have done this. They made up a lie about someone suggesting that he didn't think paedophiles should go to jail. That's really bad. That's a really bad thing to say about anyone. I would not say that about my worst enemy. You can't go around saying that people don't care about paedophilia and stuff like that. Like, what horrible implications that has. That gets people killed, you know? That gets people's windows put out around me. If they thought there was someone who's, like, a paedophile sympathiser around there, like, people would get attacked on the street for that kind of thing. This is really, 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 really bad. Not like I, I don't really have a, a huge problem with going after Sunak personally on the things he's personally responsible for. Like I've heard a rumour that they might be going after him for um, what he did in the world financial crisis, which, you know, like that's that's fair game. He actually did that. But you, making things up about him is a totally different thing. So people have looked into whether or not this is um, this is true. And they've actually found that the lenient sentences actually do have something to do with Starmer when he was director of public prosecutions and uh, in the CPS and things. And they've looked into it and he was in meetings that decided on more lenient sentences for um, so for sex crimes around children, apparently. And there's a lot of evidence going around um, from the minutes of those meetings. So, yeah, that's kind of backfired and that's starting to appear in newspapers he may have lost some sympathy with the your Daily Mail. He's probably not, to be honest. Like there's a lot of nasty people who he's trying to pinch the vote of might be like, ah, yeah, it's fine. You know, like you know, you can say things like that. They might be okay with it, but the people who I know in the Labour Party, the Labour Right, they don't seem to care what's done. They seem to care more about who's doing it. So they would say, oh, that's that's dirty tactics if it's against them. But if it's for them, it's fair game. But that's not me. That's never been me. I Like, you know, you, you have certain standards that you live by and you must live by them. 
and regardless of whether it's towards an enemy or a friend, you uphold your own principles. For me, that's much more important than achieving power because what is the point of beating the Tories by just becoming them? You know, that, and that seems to be the argument. Yes, we should do this because that's what the Tories do. Well, so you've nicked all the policies from the Tories and you've nicked all the tactics from the Tories. So what are you? You're just Tories. Like, the, this is this is not good. This is not a good look for anyone. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's saddening to see the state of our politics and it's saddening to see the people who just don't have any principles like you know there's always that famous thing that laura talks about where phil wilson said oh what's the point in principles without power and she said what's the point in power without principles the labor party to me appears to just think that power is really important and it doesn't matter what is done it matters who is doing it so let's keep the establishment exactly as it is but we'll be in charge rather than the posh boys. Like they often accuse the left of being snobby and stuff like that. But when you see it, it's like, oh, all these left wing people who, who are actually middle class and went to university, they're really, really snobbish about people's backgrounds. They really care about that kind of thing. And the likes of Rachel Reeves, like she, she only wants to be in charge of the current system. She doesn't want to change the current system to make it better than people. She just doesn't want to see posh people because she resents the posh people who got to university like her. And maybe that's fair game. Maybe they shouldn't have the free ride that they get. But that's the motivation behind the Labour Party at the minute. It's like, I've dragged myself up. I deserve my success. I got it all on my own. These people got a leg up and stuff like that, not realising that they've also had some advantages in their lives too. But yeah. So, yeah, that's where we are. This, um, this for me, and I'm going to comment, is 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 absolutely what my guests have said that it's two establishment suits shouting nonce at each other and that's what our politics has been dragged down to and uh, sort of I, I wasn't a communist at the time I, I, I sort of I wouldn't have counted but when you look at the kind of standards that Corbyn wanted and and we've let our Labour Party be dragged down to this. Um, one of the um, uh, one of the sources that I, I gave my guests to look at was um, an article um, by the Secret Barrister, and that's really worthwhile uh, while uh, reading. And I'll put the link into the chat at the end when we come off. And um, and he says it's the same as we said about voter ID and about we said about the sewage in the river, that what all this is, it's a distraction from what is really wrong with the uh, criminal justice system. What's wrong with the criminal justice system is that we don't have good enough court, we don't have enough courts, we don't have enough lawyers, we don't bring enough criminals to justice. It takes years and years and years. We're not dealing properly with rape. We're not dealing properly with uh, domestic abuse. Um, We don't look after prisoners when they come out of prison. So they just recidivize or whatever the word is. It's an appalling system of justice we've got. And all they can think of is tougher sentences. And we have two establishment suits waving their willies as to how nasty they can be in sentencing, as though that is going to solve anything. The whole thing is just appalling. And uh, sort of, I am just so depressed after this week's discussion topics, (laughs) because we just have a political system which is ignoring the issues that matter and and, and dealing with the flim-flam on the surface and I hope you're not as depressed after listening to my guests <laughs> as I was after thinking about these subjects. Um, that's it for th- this week, people, with a little bit of run from me. I hope you don't mind. And um, I'm going to uh, say thank you to my wonderful Barney, thank you for coming on. We don't have you on often enough. God bless you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, no, no. It's a, a delight. Thank you for your comments. They were really to point. Jane, as always, t- telling me things I didn't know. Just wonderful. And Paul, the, the boss, as always, yeah, sort of 
Again, we have everybody saying how brilliant your comments are. It's very depressing for the rest of us. Um, and I'm going to say goodbye to you, listeners. Until next week, we will be back. We will not be muted. And um, the uh, I'm going to give you hand over to Paul to, to to go through all the things he does and say goodbye himself. So goodbye from me. Thanks to my guests. Firstly, thanks to John again. Brilliant show. Thank you. Um, and and the other guests, of course, absolutely lovely to have you on. Bonnie and me always have the same opinions on everything, don't we? Um, so almost, almost. There's some things we get on. Very, very mildly. Yeah, it's, no, it's like never a huge thing. Like we should cheese. get together and argue about the very slight differences we have in opinion sometimes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for the fifth panelist, um, who is you at home. You are absolutely brilliant. Um, the comments tonight are massively high quality. Please do tell people about the show. Please do share this and like it and follow us on all our socials and all those things and tell people to support independent media and do all we can to try and break through this narrative. I know you do this anyway, but keep going. It's really, really important. Um, you can be a member of Socialist Think Tank. Just join on our website, socialistthinktank.com. You can buy some nice merch. I've got a little bit here, you know, you know the, the um, Socialist Think Tank hoodie there. And I think John might have his on sometimes as well. Uh, so. Not this week. I was about to, uh, but last week, I did this week. It's great. The hoodie's just so comfortable and warm. Yeah, they are nice. They are nice. So, um, yeah, if you, if you do that, that'd be great. You can uh, donate as well if you would like to. Um Thanks, everyone, again, and we will see you all next week. Oh, and we've got some more social ties coming out this weekend, actually. We're going around the Independent Media Association. I shouldn't forget that, should I? Laura's been doing absolutely loads of work, and Jane as well, around this. So um, we're going around uh, different independent medias. We've got Dorset Eye coming up. They're going to tell us what they get up to in the independent media as well. So, um, yeah, that's something to look forward to. And uh, take care, everyone. We will see you all soon. The red flag flying here